Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and thank you so much for being here. This is it. Friend, this is my final podcast episode for the entire year. Like WTF, it's only September. I think it'll be September 2nd when you listen to this. It's currently Wednesday, August 31st. But like, I I really can't believe that it's happening. I am taking a four-month sabbatical from all things content creation as in I'm literally deleting Instagram off of my phone. I'm going completely rogue, guys. No podcasting, nothing. So yeah, wow. I feel like I want to celebrate. Maybe that is why I am currently in a bathrobe with a glass of rosé as I record this episode. Or maybe I'm in a bathrobe and have a glass of rosé because I literally just walked in the door from the airport. I've been traveling for two weeks straight, New York, Nashville, LA. My friend Kate Warman, you know her from Heart of Dating, just got married and I was out there for her wedding. But I just got back like 10 minutes ago and stripped down butt naked because I needed to get my airplane clothes off. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, like everyone's fart breath is all over you when you get off the airplane. So I I literally stripped naked. Couldn't be bothered putting on new clothes. So I just have a robe on and I have my glass of rosé. So we're just, we're just going for it right now, guys. So, okay. In case you don't know, after four years of podcasting, I am taking a break for the next four months. If this is news to you, you can check out the podcast episode that I dropped two weeks ago talking all about my sabbatical, and I share why I'm taking the break, what led to it, and also all the fun things I will and won't be doing with my time away. And just so you know, I'm not leaving you totally in the lurch. I still want to serve you while I'm away. Myself and my team have been working tirelessly over the last month to really serve you while I'm gone. So there's two primary ways that I'm doing that for the next four months. That is through my weekly emails and my Patreon community. 
So for my entire sabbatical, I'm sending out weekly emails to everyone who has subscribed to my list. And these emails will include everything from meditations and devotionals to my favorite Amazon finds to the books I'm reading, podcasts I'm listening to, and and loads more. It's 100% free. And you can sign up to join my weekly emails at bit.ly slash TRC dash email. That's bit.ly slash TRC dash email. And again, it's totally free. And then I'm also keeping my weekly Patreon content up. I'll have two exclusive videos a month where I answer questions submitted directly from the Patreon members. And then every month I also offer a live group coaching call with on-the-spot coaching. Now, I won't personally be doing those calls. However, I've asked some of my really close coaching friends and peers to take over during my break. You'll have direct access to Johan Clelia Martinez from Novus Global, Sean Galanos from The Love Drive, Kate Warman from The Heart of Dating podcast, and my dear friend Anastasia Jones. So you are in such good hands with these incredible friends, coaches. They are just packed to the brim with wisdom. And honestly, I I kind of want to show up for these calls, even though I will not because I will honor my break. And then finally, every month in Patreon, there is Book Club, and Book Club will continue every single month as well. We are spending the entire fall walking through Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are. It's all about unpacking female sexuality. And I literally, there was my life before and after this book. And you're in for a freaking treat. PhD of women's studies and my favorite sexologist in the world, Dr. Celeste Holbrook, is leading each of these calls all fall. So you are seriously in the best hands. So if you want to stay connected, join the email list, bit.ly slash TRC dash email. And then to join Patreon, it's only $5 a month. You can go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. Okay. I think that's all the logistics I've got for you. Now on to today's episode. So as I've thought about this last episode and yeah, like what I want to talk with you about, what I want to leave you with, I've come up with three things. Three things that I am learning in my life right now that I am walking through, moving through, healing through, and I thought I'd just share them with you. So let's just dive in. Number one, closed doors lead to a greater yes. This season has (laughs) been anything if not a season of closed doors for me, like door after door after door being shut for me, both personally, well, I'll say primarily personally. Professionally, my life has been great. My photography business is better and more lucrative than it has been in 15 years. I feel like things honestly keep coming to me in my photography business. And the the only closed door in my business right now is the door that I am choosing to close briefly for a pause, which is the refined woman in this podcast. But I've experienced some pretty significant personal closed doors, honestly, even just in the last like two months. So I just got back from California. If you don't know, before I lived in New York City, I lived in Southern California and I was there for about seven years. And I remember the first day 
that I moved to California. I moved to San Diego. The plane touching down in San Diego and feeling my heart open in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And it it felt like my heart let this exhale out. Like, oh, we're finally home. I, ne- I never have fully felt at home in Texas. And so California has really been that for me over the last 15 years, even after I left. Whenever I would go back to California, I would feel like I was coming home. And to this day, the best friends that I have in the world live in California. And I've questioned over the years, would I ever want to move back there? Could I ever move back there? Should I ever move back there? Because I love it so much. I feel so alive there. Well, this was the first trip that I've ever had in 15 years where I do not want to move back there. And I was driving through Newport Beach a couple of days ago, which is where I lived for uh, for about five, six years. And it was the first time as soon as I drove into Newport, I was like, I want to go. I want to leave. I Like, this is not my home. I loved it. I loved being there. I loved seeing my friends. I loved hiking at Griffith Observatory in LA. It's my favorite hiking spot there. But I knew that I knew that I knew that this is no longer the place for me. And it felt as though for the first time ever, that door feels completely closed. Like, I have been released from this place, even though I haven't lived there in almost 10 years. So to have California as a closed door has felt significant. And then recently, and I want to be careful sharing this story because, yeah, it's super personal. So I had a really good guy friend that we've been friends for, gosh, six, seven years at this point. And I had the biggest crush on him when we first met. And we became fast friends and pretty early on in our friendship, he came to me and said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm only interested in friendship. And I was super hurt and disappointed, but also was very grateful for his clarity and his communication. And so we decided to stay friends. And we both committed to each other that if anything ever changed for us or if friendship became hard for me or I felt like I couldn't be friends in integrity, that we would have a conversation. And if his feelings ever became romantic, we would talk. And that was our friendship. We have had beautiful moments together. I adore this person. And I I took him at his word when he said he was not interested and moved on. I didn't move on instantly. You know, your girl loves to hope. But I really did take him at his word and put those feelings to rest. Fast forward, like literally six or seven years, we were hanging out recently. And I mean, I I can acknowledge this guy's a very attractive person. And whenever I see him, I'm like, wow, this guy's a babe. Or he, He has a great body or he's so kind. But that romantic feeling hasn't been there in so long. Anyways, we're hanging out and he essentially confesses that he has feelings for me. And I I can't, it's still even hard for me to put words to the experience because I was so shocked. I was shocked that he liked me. 
and was saying things like, it's always been about timing for us and I've always been attracted to you. And I mean, I was, I was giving this guy a hard time. I was like, are you serious right now? Like, you sure do keep your cards close to the vest. So I was like, are you telling me that you had a crush on me too back at the very beginning of our friendship? And he said, yes. And the only reason why he didn't say anything for all these years is he said, Kat, you've always been so clear with who you are, what you want, and what you're ready for. And I I said, just for clarity's sake, what over the years have you thought I've been clear about? And he said, you want marriage and you want to have kids and you're ready for that. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right, totally. (laughs) And he said, I knew that I was not ready for that. And I was not in a place where I was ready to settle down or have kids. And I knew I had more personal work and trauma to work through and more therapy to go through. Yeah, this guy's incredible. And so he said, I never wanted to make a move until I was ready and in a space to explore that. And first of all, I think that is so commendable and takes a lot of self-discipline and vision casting to not get caught up in a moment. And I really respected that. And so he ended up sharing this stuff with me. We talked for a couple of hours and pretty much my jaw is dragging on the concrete floor the entire time. I literally cannot believe what I'm hearing. And the conversation just ended with, like me basically saying thank you so much for sharing all this. I feel so shocked and I'm so honored by your beautiful and vulnerable heart. Do you mind if I like sit with this and process this for a minute? And he was like, totally. He's like, I know you. Go FaceTime with Tutti. Go go do what you need to do and we'll, we'll circle back around. I was like, okay. Because honestly, as he's sharing all this with me, what's coming up in my head is, I used to really, really like this person, and then I got over them. I really, really care about him, but can I get there again? Can I get there romantically? And I didn't know if I could. And so he's sharing this, basically saying anything and everything that any girl would ever want to hear, right? And I was just like, oh my gosh, can I get there again? So I processed for a few days. We met back up, and I basically was just like, you know, I let's revisit this conversation. And long story, even longer, like without going into too much detail, he essentially backpedaled and took almost all of it back. I still am not fully sure what happened for him. What I imagine happened is that he got really scared, that it felt super vulnerable and that he freaked out. But regardless, we meet up, we talk. I explain to him, like, listen, you know how much I've liked you over the years. And like, I put that on the shelf for a really long time. And so what I've been processing through is like, can I get there again? And you're a person who's like worth that, like worth me exploring that again. But I I said, you know, you shared all this stuff on a few days ago, but I'm not really sure like what you want moving forward. And essentially what I am gathering, I'm still, yeah, is that he just kind of wanted to get it off his chest and backpedaled and was like, I actually like, I'm not open to exploring things. Like I'm, I'm not interested in moving forward romantically. And I was super confused. I was like, I feel like you're gaslighting me, man. Like, what the heck? And I asked like a ton of clarifying questions. Like, okay, so are you saying you don't want to date me? Are you saying, are you saying you're like not 
romantically interested. Like, I just, I'm asking him these super specific questions. And we were both kind of laughing because I was like, dude, I never just sit across from a guy and ask him, so are we dating? (laughs) But it really was a beautiful and vulnerable conversation. But he closed the door. So it was like the door was like cracked open for a little bit. And then he closed it again. And I walked away from that conversation super proud of myself for being vulnerable and honest with him. But it also feeling like this is a door that is closed. Even though I had gotten over him probably three or four years ago, we had such a close friendship. It felt as though it always felt like there's a tiny question mark. Like it, it wasn't like haunting me or anything, but whenever we would hang out, it was like, man, this is great. And our dynamic is awesome. And then after he shared his heart and then backpedaled, I honestly just felt a total release from this person. Not like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You suck. But definitely like, dude, you need to figure your shit out (laughs) before sharing your feelings with someone. Um, So that door feels really closed right now. And then I'm sure you remember, or maybe you don't, uh, I dated this guy last year, and when things ended, I was freaking heartbroken. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, listen to the last episode of 2021 called I Kind of Suck at Dating, where I'm basically like bawling my eyes out talking about this dating experience. Well, it's been almost a year since we ended things, and to be frank, I have never fully let go of him. I never really thought our story was fully over. I felt like it ended before we could even get it off the ground. And I just, I just honestly had it in my heart that we had unfinished business, even though we weren't talking and he had started dating someone else. I just, I just kind of like felt in my gut that things aren't over. I also, in this time, have dated a ton, as you know, and dated some amazing guys, have also had some not great experiences, and I just, my heart just kept going back to him. And recently, I decided to reach out to him to see if he was interested in grabbing a cup of coffee. And at first, well, yeah, at first, I definitely did not want to do that because I was like, you know what? He has my number. The way things left off, he knew I was interested. He would reach out to me if he wanted to. He hasn't. It's been almost a year at this point since we've chatted. And then I thought, you know what? But I want to reach out to him. And I feel like I'm in a grounded place. I feel like I just have curiosity. I was under the impression that him and this girl had broken up. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to reach out. And I was talking to Tuti, my my bestie, who has been on the podcast a lot. And she goes, you know what, Kat? Like, screw it. You only live once. So go for it. Because I was getting caught up on, oh, well, if he would have liked me, he would have done this. And uh, will I come across desperate? And what is he going to think of me? And just ego, ego, ego. And she was right. Like, we only live one life. And I want to lay it all out there. And if this person's still on my heart after a year, like I'm going to say something or at least open the door of communication to see if they're still interested. So I ended up reaching out to him and asking if he'd be interested in grabbing a cup of coffee. And he responded back and essentially said no, that he wasn't interested. And 
let me tell you, when I got that text, like my heart was racing and my hands were shaking. Like literally, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was not expecting that. Like not expecting that at all. And I think within the span of like four hours, I went through all the different stages of grief. I cried. I I literally laughed. I was angry. I felt confused. I was in denial. I was bargaining in my head. But by that night, which I'm so grateful for because I feel like it, it could have taken me weeks, months, or even another year to really get to this place. But literally by that night, the day I texted him, he texted me back that night, I laid my head on the pillow. And as I went to sleep, I felt something for the first time that I've never felt since I met him. And that was, I felt released. It really felt like our story is complete. I felt zero regret because I literally laid it all out there. And and I feel that completeness to my core. I feel fully ready to move on, which feels freaking awesome and empowering. And then I also came to a place where I have nothing but gratitude and love for this person, which leads me to my next point, point number two. Vulnerability is your medicine. And that is what my therapist body worker coach Michelle Peterson has been saying to me for the last year she's like cat vulnerability is a, is your medicine and what i discovered is only in fully letting go of this guy have i been fully able to experience all the breakthrough from the relationship i can look back and say you know what i gave it my all i showed up fully i put my ego and pride aside and put myself out there. I let my heart be known and seen. And his rejection and the heartbreak I experienced last year honestly propelled me to deeper healing than I thought possible. My heartbreak cracked my heart open in a way I did not see coming. And in the wakes of that cracking. I've been more vulnerable online and on this podcast than I've ever been. I've put myself out there with men in a way that I've never done before, i.e. my guy friend, that whole situation that just happened. The way I showed up in that conversation and was so vulnerable and really let myself be seen, I don't think I would have done that a year ago. I would have held my cards close to the vest and not really fully shared how deep my feelings were for him until I knew 100% certainty where he was at. The heartbreak with this guy led me to an incredible therapist who has helped me see how much I've longed for love and demanded vulnerability from the men I've dated, but I haven't been fully vulnerable with them until this guy, until this breakup. You see, what I believe now is some people are in your life to be your forever. Some people are in your life for a season, and some people are in your life to propel you towards greater growth and transformation than you thought possible. I'm going to say that again. Some people are in your life to be your forever. Some people are in your life for a season, and some people are in your life to propel you towards greater growth and transformation than you ever thought possible. You see, my pattern for almost my entire life has been that I found it so much easier to be vulnerable with women. I'm one of six kids and five of us are girls, so I grew up in a house full of women. 
it's easy for me to share my heart with girls. It's easy for me to let myself be known by my close girlfriends. And I've also discovered it's easy for me to be vulnerable with men who I have zero attraction to or romantic interest. Yeah, basically, like, I'm, I feel very comfortable being vulnerable in front of guys who pose zero threat of rejection for me. But put me around a guy I'm attracted to and think could hurt or reject me, then you freaking watch the walls come up. Until now, until this season, until this last year and a half. You see, I've discovered in my own self that I don't have to be that way anymore. And I've been able to practice vulnerability and letting myself be seen and known by men in some really cool ways this year. And I truly think that the person I dated really cracked me open to set me on a trajectory of healing that. My my therapist calls it that I've been healing the masculine in my heart over the last year. Though I'm not a fashion blogger anymore, you're going to have to listen to episode 184 for that story. There is one thing that I firmly believe to this day. There is simply nothing better than a well-made and comfortable leather shoe. I recently discovered Bedstew and fell in love with their leather shoes. Bedstew's mission is to create quality products that are made to last using only the most natural ingredients. Bedstew takes pride in their four R's, recycle, reduce, reuse, and renewable. They use recycled materials, reduce landfill waste, source their materials from naturally renewable resources, and offer a restore and repair program so you can extend the life of your items. I have personally been wearing my Gia sandals from Bedstew nonstop since I got them. They're the perfect summer sandals, and I always feel so cute when I wear them, and they're just so comfy. Bedstew is giving you a 20% off on your first order when you go to bedstew.com and use code RC20 at checkout. That's B-E-D-S-T-U.com and use code RC20 for 20% off. When it comes to my wardrobe, I definitely adopted some minimal habits while I was living in Brooklyn with a tiny closet. But I also grew to realize that accumulating clothes can not only feel overwhelming and wasteful, but bad for the environment. Recently, I discovered The Resolve. They discreetly partner with premium brands' extra inventory by debranding their goods and offering brandless products at up to 70% off. That means you can get amazing, high-quality goods at a fraction of the price, all while knowing you are helping to minimize the harmful impact on the environment. Did you know the fashion industry overproduces more than $500 billion in clothing each season and contributes nearly 10% of all global carbon emissions? This was mind-blowing to me and made me want to consume more consciously. That's why when I discovered the resolve, it not only made me feel good shopping sustainably, but I've loved the additions to my wardrobe at an incredible price. Right now, The Resolve is offering our listeners an additional 20% off when you go to theresolve.com and use discount code REFIND20 at checkout. That's theresolve.com and use REFIND20. An example of ways that I've let myself be seen by men, and this might seem like a silly picture or yeah, story for you. But actually, no, I don't want to dismiss my own story. Like this has been a very big metaphor for how I've shown up. So I've been seeing a physical therapist this year because (laughs) 
Your girl's body is busted up. I was a collegiate athlete. I jacked my back up in college tennis. I tore my both of my IT bands at different points from my yoga practice while I lived in New York City. And my body has just been through the ringer this year via all the hormones I was on with egg freezing. And so I decided to get back into some physical therapy to like work through some of that. And I started seeing this physical therapist who is a dude. And let me tell you, he is super attractive. And on the physical therapy table, one thing that this person specializes in is not just physical therapy, but he's such a firm believer that the body keeps a score and our body releases trauma. So as we're working on my hips, we're working through different traumas coming up for me. And I remember the first time I saw him, he was like, oh, if you if you feel emotions coming up or tears like feel free you know feel free to release them and let them cry and i was like what sort of Kool-Aid have you been drinking this is just physical therapy i've done so much physical therapy in my life 10 minutes later as he's working on my left knee i burst into tears and essentially was taken back to the moment that i tore my IT band for the first time and got to process through all that trauma right there on the table. And that felt so vulnerable for so many reasons. One of them being like, this is a man around my age who is also physically attractive. And then we're working on different exercises and movement and he's stretching me and literally like stretching my knee in positions to where if I tense up, I could hurt myself. So I had to let go of control. I had to surrender my body to his. I got the opportunity to trust him. And as I experienced that, I realized, oh my gosh, I am so scared of letting go of control. I am so scared of letting myself be seen. I am so scared of putting myself in a physical position on the physical therapy table and getting hurt physically. And it felt like such a giant metaphor for how I've shown up in male relationships. And I've told him this as I'm on the table, like, this feels super vulnerable. And he was like, I feel like there's an invitation for you to surrender and trust. And those are the two words that God gave me in January for my year, surrender and trust. And as I've been on this table, I'm like, this is such an opportunity for me to let myself be seen and to let myself be vulnerable in front of a man. Even if that's not what this working relationship is about, that's part of what is coming up for me. And I cannot tell you how healing it has been to let myself be led through physical healing in my body by a man and to let myself cry in front of him, experience emotions. Because before the last year or so, I'll I'll cry in front of like girlfriends. <laughs> I'll, I'll cry in front of very few people. Definitely not in front of dudes. Definitely not in front of any sort of dude that I think is cool or good looking. And all of that's changed in this last year. And what I've experienced in my physical bodies with this physical therapist is that vulnerability is my medicine, just like me showing up vulnerably here on this podcast, just how showing up vulnerably in my relationships is also my medicine. Number three, this is the final, my final little thing I'm going to share with you about what I've been 
learning through and moving through lately, God sent me a reminder of who I used to be to propel me into who I'm becoming. Again, number three, God sent me a reminder of who I used to be to propel me into who I'm becoming. So I go on a gazillion airplanes every month, and I was on a layover. I honestly cannot even remember where I was coming from. Uh, Oh, I remember I was going from Florida back to Austin. And I got to the airport early because I had a Zoom call with um, a buddy of mine, Mike Marishiro, who if you don't follow him on Instagram, he's amazing. He is a gay man who loves Jesus and used to be a pastor at Bethel and came out this last year and just has incredible content. But he got together a group of friends who essentially have uh, some sort of online platform, are deconstructing their faith kind of in a public manner and just wanted to create a space for us to process what that's like and to support each other. So I'm on this Zoom call in the airport and, (laughs) you know, I'm in the airport and I've also lived in New York City. I lived in New York City for like, gosh, eight years. And so in New York, you just get really used to talking about your life very publicly because you have zero privacy. You're on the subway and you're back to sweaty back with another person and you might be witnessing a breakup right in front of you. Or you're walking down the street having a super personal conversation and you're surrounded by throngs of people. So I'm paying no mind to the things I'm sharing in this airport So I'm like, well, who cares? No one's listening. So what I shared, some of the things I shared on this call was that, you know, I really love God, but in the last few years I've left the church and have been really deconstructing my faith and have left evangelical culture and am more doubt-filled than I've ever been in my life, but how also it's been a really like special healing place with me and God. I shared some really personal stuff. Well, I get on the airplane And I always take the aisle seat because I'm tall and I go to the bathroom a lot. So I'm in the aisle seat and this guy couldn't have been more than 20 or 21. In fact, he was 21 because I ended up asking him. Takes the middle seat. And as soon as he sits down, he's like, hey, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, no. If we have a chatty Kathy, he's going to be super disappointed because I hate talking on airplanes. Like literally my worst nightmare. As soon as I sit down in an airplane, I put my headphones on even if I'm not talking and I'll like open my book and read or my big Sudoku book that I travel with. I'm like not interested in chatting. Like don't talk to me. I am that girl on the plane, okay? This guy immediately asks my name and within 30 seconds has revealed his agenda. He's like, oh, so, you know, I heard you talking on your computer earlier and heard you say, like, talk about, like, church and, like, evangelicalism. He was like, oh, like, what do you do? And I looked down, and he's holding an A.W. Tozer book in his hand. So I'm like, okay, this guy's a Christian. Got it. Check. Very briefly, vaguely shared with him, you know, I have this online platform. I have a podcast. I've written a book. It's looked a lot of different ways over the years, but what it has currently looked like is really supporting people, uh, young women in particular, or women in general, um, reimagining their faith and identifying toxic messaging that they got from the church and then 
deconstructing that and hopefully rebuilding a more holistic ethic and faith than before. And, oh, interesting, interesting. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So what do you believe about eternal damnation? And I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, And I was like, you know what? In my deconstruction over the last few years, I've come to a place where I don't think I fully believe in hell the way I was always taught about hell. And you could see, I mean, he had this like visceral physical response to it. And I was like, I just, you know, I think God's really kind and loving. And when I research hell in the Bible, it's never really talking about an eternal place. It's talking about a place that like a trash dump that was outside the city. And yeah, it, it was it was talking about like, what is like a hellish life on earth? Um, so I was like, yeah. So I was like, I definitely don't believe in eternal damnation the way I believed in it, like for years and years of my life. And then he brought up, well, so what do you think Jesus died for? What, what, what do you think the gospel is? This guy, I'm, I'm telling you for about 90 minutes straight is bulldozing me with questions. What do I believe about this? What about this scripture? What about this scripture? What about this scripture? And he reveals to me that he just became a Christian about six months ago. So I'm like, I like multiple times, I was like, you know what, dude? Like, listen, you and I are on the same team. Like, I love Jesus. I was like, we're clearly at very different parts of our journey and that's okay. But I'm not interested in being in a, a debate with you. I, I And I also said, listen, I was a Bible major in college. So whatever you're throwing at me, like I have an answer for and I have a thoughtful Bible-laced answer for. (laughs) Not to be arrogant here, bro, but you're barking up the wrong tree. And he kept going, kept going. And then he got tears in his eyes. And then he was like, can I just, can I just show you one more thing? And I was like, sure. And he showed me this verse that was in like Galatians, I think. I think I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Galatians. And it was all about false prophets and how some people say they're preaching the gospel, but they're really demon possessed and they need to repent or they're going to hell. And he was like, what do you think of this verse? And I said, well, what do you think of it? And why are you showing it to me? And he was like, I'm just so scared for you. At this point, he has tears streaming down his face. This 21-year-old college kid who's just become a Christian six months ago. I'm just so scared for you. I'm so scared for your salvation. And this is urgent. Like you are leading people to hell. And he said, I I know that God sent me here today, had me be on this exact flight and sit in this exact seat so that I could remind you of who you used to be. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. I do think God sent you here to remind me of how I used to be because I used to be exactly like you. I used to think it was my job to prove people wrong. I said, you know what you haven't done once in almost two hours? And he was like, what? I said, not once have you asked me, how are you doing? Tell me about your story. What are you excited about in your life right now? Is there anything I can pray for you about? 
Is there, is there anything that you're curious about? I said, no, from moment one, you sat down here with an agenda to change me, to be like you. And you have done so in such a way that you have asked me leading questions to poke holes in my theology to prove yourself right. I said, that's not love or care. That is you being manipulative, trying to win a debate. And I'm sorry, but no one debates their way into the kingdom. And I said, I, I am honestly very offended. And he's like, I just care for you so much. And I go, you don't care for me. You care about getting your point across. And you care about being right. And you care about having your way in this conversation. And I said, I've told you so many times, like, yes, I am deconstructing my faith. No, I don't go to church right now. No, I don't believe some of these tenets that you believe in your faith, but I deeply love God. I deeply love Jesus. And yet you still are braiding me with these questions. I said, this conversation is over and God did send you here to remind me of who I used to be because I used to be just like you. And I'm so grateful I'm not that person anymore. I'm so grateful that I don't think I need to save the world, that every person's salvation is not on my back. And then we sat on a plane together for another hour in silence. And I was like, this is awkward, but you know what? I don't, I, it doesn't have to be unawkward. Like, I, I'm not going to apologize for this awkwardness. Like, this person has berated me for almost two hours. And since that experience, I've been thinking like, oh my gosh, am I even a Christian anymore? I am definitely not that. And it feels like we read very different books. And what I've come to is... And I've believed this for a while, but it just felt so true to me after this situation. It's first, everyone's on their own journey. I used to be that person. I was the ridiculous Bible thumper who went to Bible college so that I could prove everyone wrong. Let me tell you how much that doesn't work. But when I think about Jesus and when I read about Jesus— the more and more I'm convinced that Jesus came to teach us more so what it's like to be human than to be a God. Jesus put others before him. He was humble. He wasn't defensive. He had healthy boundaries. He always, and I mean always, took a stand for the vulnerable and the oppressed. He flipped tables at religious and spiritual abuse and abuse of power and ego and made his presence and friendship a safe space for all, especially those who would never ever feel safe or welcomed in culture at large and religious institutions. I want to be like that. See, someone asked me this week on Instagram, so how do you share the gospel anymore now that you're deconstructing? And at first I was offended by that question, but then I was like, you know, that's fair. And I've been thinking about, so what do I think is the good news of Jesus? I'm like, man, to me, the good news of Jesus can be wrapped up in one story, and it's Jesus on the cross, and there are two thieves next to Jesus. One of them is with the throngs of people throwing insults at Jesus, and one of them is up there on the cross, and he says, Jesus, like, basically, Jesus, help me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's it. Period. The end. No. Well, what's your theological belief on this? And have you been having sex? And are you attracted to men or women? And like, 
did you join Bible study and are you evangelizing? It's like there was a desire for connection with the divine and that was immediately met with a welcome home. You're here. You're with me. You are welcome here. To me, that is really, really, really good news. The other thing I think, I think there's so many things, but I'll kind of land the plane here. As I've, 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 I've said this a few times in the last few weeks, but I read this Frederick Buchner quote, and it said, the resurrection means that death isn't the final thing. That's really good news. And what I've come to as I've been deconstructing and wondering over the last year or so, am I even a Christian? I heard this liturgist podcast and Rachel Held Evans, who is no longer with us, was talking about faith. And the whole podcast episode was all about like, am I even a Christian anymore? Like, are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why are you not a Christian? And she said, here's the deal. She said, over the last, over the last few years, I've learned a lot of different languages. But at the end of the day, no matter what, Jesus will always be my mother tongue. When I'm sad, hurt, or angry, Jesus will always be my language, my frame of reference. And, she, and, and that resonated with me so deeply. And I really feel like that's where I'm at. Yeah, like Jesus is my mother tongue. And, and, and I also think after this deconstruction or whatever we want to call it, like growth isn't about becoming who you used to be. Like the goal here isn't to rebuild my faith to look like what it looked like when I was 20 or even 30. Relationship is relationship. And as we grow, our relationships grow and evolve. So I'm not trying to get my relationship with God back to what it was. I want to open up the gates and see what's possible in the future. I want a new relationship. I want to experience new territories, untapped creativity, connection with God, myself, and others. And so as I wrap up this episode, I I leave you with that. Over the next four months, I don't know what is going to (laughs) happen. I don't know who I'll become. I don't know what will rise up in the space of the absence of this podcast and content creation and coaching other people. When I remove my microphone publicly, when I remove my hat of leadership, I'm so excited to get to know that me. And I'm so excited to see you on the other side. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. This is not goodbye forever. It's goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.